Hello, and welcome to the Extension Experience Podcast with your hosts, Josh Bouchong, Trent Malachik, and Dana Zook. Here you'll find insights into Oklahoma agriculture from West Area Specialists employed by Oklahoma State University Extension. Their perspectives come from assisting county educators and producers in the areas of agronomy, animal science, and economics. Thank you for joining us. Hello, my name is Trent Malachik. I'm Dana Zook. And Josh Bichon. It's harvest season, guys. And thinking about that, I want to go into our histories of what harvest means to us. Uh, Dana, you're from Nebraska. Josh and I are from Oklahoma. So harvest is kind of two different things. You have harvested wheat in the past uh, up in Nebraska, but and I guess we've harvested some different crops. But the main the main thing I remember growing up was wheat. And I think about all the memories that come with harvest and the good and the bad, and there's just so much stuff to go into. And I kind of want to start off this conversation with Josh, and I'm going to ask you, what was your first big responsibility with harvest? What was the first thing that you were in charge of? Well, probably my first job was actually during watermelon harvest, and we would had a loading dock. We'd load out watermelons on semis and my first job was taking the sticker and slapping it on each melon as they went down the conveyor. So that was my first job. So it wasn't too hard. That's not a very common first job in Oklahoma to, no. be, a, to be a watermelon harvester. Exactly. Did you get to taste test? Yes. Nothing tastes better than breaking a melon out on the first out in the morning. So accidentally. Accidentally. Yeah. Did you get in trouble for accidentally breaking those watermelons? No, there's a bunch of waste. So there wasn't an issue. <laughs> How do you tell a watermelon is ripe? Well, common lore is to thump it and tap it and everything else. But we had a few guys that actually went through the field first and go out with knives and cut the ones off the vine that were ready. And it's something as me being uh, color impaired, I guess you can say, <laughs> I couldn't tell. But it's based on the stripe colors and the differences between the dark and light portions of the rind. So. I couldn't ever do it. My dad and some other head workers would go out there and cut them off the vine, turn them so you can see them belly up so the workers, when they went through, knew which ones to grab. I've always heard that you just wait for the coyotes to start eating them, and then you know they're ripe. Really? Yeah. Or the raccoons and different different animals get into Kind of like sweet corn. <laughs> yeah. Whenever, they'll know it's ripe before you do. Well, they, it's one of those things, just like any produce, you're probably going to pick it a little before full maturity so it can ripen as it's in the store. So. Uh, so will it continue to ripen as it sits on, you know, yeah. shelves and stuff like that? Any other produce that gets overripe and uh -huh. starts to decay. So that's why you pick your tomatoes green and chop the vine off with it. And then they continue to ripen as they sit with the vine attached. Yeah. What's your first memory of harvest, Dana? Well, I'm sitting here trying to think of what, one of my first jobs was, you know, like putting stickers on the melons. That sounds pretty important. I think I I did a lot of riding along, helping move uh, from one field to the next. Uh, and I think I remember we had, well, we do to this day. We have a grain elevator kind of at the at the farm with grain bins and stuff. That's a little bit different than most Oklahoma farms. But they would unload. We had grain storage at our farm. And so they would unload into the various grain bins. And so I would help push, push the corn, you know, into the pit and that sort of thing. 
um, riding along on the in the combine, you'd be the one to pull the lever and don't pull it too soon until the green carts got up there. That would be bad. You don't want to dump that green on top of the tractor hood. But um, so simple type stuff kind of to get me going. But I did eventually you know, drive green cart, do a little truck driving, that sort of thing. Yeah, I have a lot of first memories. Uh, one of the first times I rode on a combine uh, without dad which was with my brother was an old a gleaner but we didn't use that very much at all our main combine at that point was an l2 gleaner and a g and i guess my first actual job was driving a g gleaner which was a big combine for me at the time it was a lot of felt like it was a lot of responsibility so dad took us down to one of our bottom farms it was flat and just kind of gave it to me and let me <laughs> let me get after it and not have to adjust the header too much uh pass to pass but i guess i've i've kind of always been a combine driver uh, we didn't have grain carts or anything like that growing up we just dumped straight into the truck so it was either drive a combine or drive a truck and if mm-hmm. you're not 16 you drive a combine yeah yeah i'm not sure that uh, we ever followed those age rules when it came to driving mm-hmm. uh, around at least for harvest i think shush dana yeah sorry <laughs> Well, when I was when I was 13, I could get my school permit. So if you think, I mean, shortly mm-hmm. before I was 13. So or so it was a little bit different. But um, yeah, we always had a, a grain cart. Um, I mean, we were always waiting for trucks. A lot of times we had we would hire a semi until just, re, you know, in the last couple of years, they started hauling their own grain. But uh, you just uh, would fill it as fast as you could. You were back and forth, back and forth. There was no sitting around waiting. It was just a lot of, y- a little bit, a little bit different yield with corn harvest, bean harvest, than it is uh, wheat. Just a little bit. Just a little bit, <laughs> a little bit different. But I do remember wheat harvest too. That's when I first started getting into wheat harvest. I was actually working for someone else. I think it was a 835 Massey. And I was given. Responsibility start out on a field heavily terraced and it was hot and every chance I very much had, I kept getting that header down into the dirt. So I spent a lot of time <laughs> digging out the dirt and that's the biggest thing with wheat harvest being in the middle of summer or at the beginning of the summer, it's hot and everything else and getting made fun of that little girls can drive better than I could. <laughs> and just kind of eats at you. So it gets frustrated and stressed out pretty, pretty quick. On top of that, breakdowns, obviously. Well, and it's a, you know, depends on different levels of stress, but it can be a stressful situation as a young kid. I remember just really wanting to do things right so I could be included in the, you know, the family team or, you know, the. It sometimes it wasn't the family that was just doing it. It was some hired hands and I wanted to be part of that. And so I wanted to do my best. So I remember getting a little bit upset a couple of times just when I did something wrong. Some of my most fond memories is taking the little combine toys and getting in the back of the wheat truck and playing in the wheat and then dodging the combine when it came up to dump that's not very good grain safety but no that's kind of it's kind of what we did at the time back then but but yeah we'd always play in the back of the trucks and have our toys out there and then we'd ride in the truck to the co-op and they'd always have bubble gum and candy and Uh they'd even a little care package little sacks of candy and i always loved being able to ride and get that and i was kind of upset the the more time went along, that kind of started to go away. You don't see that nearly as much. I'll give you water, but the candy for the kids isn't something I see very often anymore. Do you think maybe there's just less kids that are part of the harvest? 
I mean, less kids, maybe the difference, more people are work during the day. And so kids are at school. I mean, well, not during the summer, but I'm trying to figure out yeah, you know, why okay. that would be. That's another thing about Oklahoma harvest is so much different than, than what you used to. Yeah, so yeah. I'm trying. Corn to... harvest is, yeah, everyone's out of school during this time. But uh, harvest is just a little bit different nowadays. It used to be a, kind of a slower family affair. And now it's very much hustle and bustle as fast as you can possibly get it done and burn straight through. And, and sometimes you got to be careful with that, I think. And I know that if it gets rained on, that ruins quality and it's hard to make money on a wheat crop anyway. But I think sometimes you have to think about stepping back and maybe stopping for half an hour, an hour and eating together and just trying to de-stress a little bit, you know, because I have, it feels like I have more negative memories of harvest than I do positive ones as I got older, just from the stress of the operation and really forcing ourselves to get done as fast as possible. Yeah, the go, go, go can grind a little bit, get on everybody's nerves and that sort of thing. I know, Josh, you said you maybe had a similar experience. It's always been hustle bustle. Yeah, um, goes with every crop we've done and always trying to get it out. And there's always a bottleneck somewhere. It just depends on what year it is and whether it's have enough trucks, having somewhere to dump. Um, I don't even remember in peanut harvest, if the peanut house got backed up, we'd run out of things to dump peanuts into. And and that was a whole different story, kind of like, you know, corn harvesting in the fall. You don't know if it's going to be snowing or hot. And most of our stuff didn't have working AC or some was open cab. So just depends on what straw you drew that day on what you were driving. And I remember, you know, trying to get out of school and go work for peanut harvest and get jealous of the nearby town hydro where their kids actually got out of school for peanut harvest and hmm. we're sitting there trying to work around uh, school hours and everything so uh, there's a lot of different stresses about it mm -hmm. it's amazing how much different it is your perception of it is as a child as opposed to someone who actually kind of understands the business as you get older i remember back whenever i first i kind of became the main combine driver in our operation early on but when I was like 13 or 14 years old, that was still a time that we had farm. We were farming the most that we ever had. So we had three combines going and two of them were older and one of them was a newer combine. And my brother and I would run to the car to eat, eat as fast as we could, and then fight with each other the entire way back to the newer combine to see who got to drive that one <laughs> and then drive away as fast as possible so the other guy couldn't catch you. <laughs> yeah, that, was, that was what we worried about then. And then as I got old, as I kept going along, you know, I thought, well... 20 bushel wheat crops a lot easier to cut than a 60 bushel. I don't have to dump as much. I get done faster. So I kind of like that more. And then as I got older, I realized we're not making money whenever the yields pour. <laughs> so now all I really want is a fast harvest with no rain and maximum bushels. And it's just funny how, as I've gone through life, like the things that, that I felt it was important when I was younger or the things I focused on was driving the new combine and, and maybe wheat that wasn't very stressful to cut. As opposed to now, it's my my thoughts are completely different. Yeah, I uh, I have a fond memory, I guess, of listening to the cornhouse football games in the cab of the tractor in the truck, or all the elevators would have it on if it was during the day. Um, a lot of times, those football games were you know at eleven o'clock or two o'clock, and uh, so you were able to listen. And so that was that's kind of a fond memory. I remember that and. 
And now that I look back, you know, that's still when I listen to that football game, kind of when the fall is a little bit different down here, but it kind of makes me feel like I'm in in the field and it makes me very nostalgic for it. I do miss it that time of, that time of year. Probably with Cornhusker success back when you remember <laughs> listening to Horace as well. Well, you know, we've had our years. <laughs> Easy guys. But but yes, if when I was really young, that's probably when they won a few more games. But we'll we'll get there. We'll get there. I'm I'm a strong supporter. When I think about football, I think about selling wheat. So it's completely different operations there. You think about picking corn and I think about selling wheat when it comes to football games. Yeah. There's not a lot going on in the summertime besides baseball or something to listen to and it comes to wheat harvest and That's true. a lot of radio time and i remember i think it's been a decade since the radio in our combine has worked so oh. i just get to listen to the droning of the to the machine the whole time which that is something interesting the other day i i realized that i'd been driving uh, our combine longer more years than i was years old whenever i got into it so i was like 14 whenever i really started driving it and we've had it ever since i'm 30 now so <laughs> I've, been, wow. I've been driving that combine a long time. So usually it doesn't take much for me to realize if something's wrong with that thing. We kind of, we understand each other pretty well and I can just feel when things are, are not going right with it. And it's kind of interesting. The longer you run a piece of equipment like that, and I'm sure whether it's running the grain cart or anything else, you guys have similar kind of ideas with that. Or I think Dana had talked about an interesting story with a new piece of equipment that she she had ran that she remembers uh, maybe having some trouble with a break. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it definitely wasn't. It definitely wasn't a new truck, but it was, you know, kind of a bobtail truck. And just uh, different equipment. Yeah, it was different. Yes. And uh, it was really uh, a new piece of equipment to us. It looked real nice truck. And I, you know, wanted to be part of it. And so dad, you know, he said, you can drive it. So he gave me, you know, the 60 second rundown of how to do it and had the different transmission. Don't ask me how different or what different it was. But um, I had the brake on when I left the field full, you know, headed into town. It was about three miles to town and it died a couple times on the way to town. And if anybody knows me, they know I can kind of get worked up. And I was really worked up by the time I got to the elevator. And then it died a couple times at the elevator. All these old guys waiting in line just looked at me like, you poor woman. And I wasn't even a woman. I was just a girl. And uh, finally, I got back to the field an hour and a half later. And dad's like, what have you been doing? And I think my brother realized that I'd had the break on. And it wasn't even, and you say, it should smell really bad. It didn't really, because I think I would have known that, but... I sound like a complete idiot, but I felt like an idiot. And then, uh, so I didn't get the full rundown on that. I should have had maybe a test drive with that sort of situation. I can remember trying to hide goof ups from my dad, things like leaving the emergency brake on and realizing it and maybe taking a little bit longer to get back to the field, hoping that smell would kind of <laughs> would, would remove itself from the vehicle. But it seems like it never did. You could always sniff it out somehow that I had done something dumb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it never went over well. <laughs> I blew the engine in our 85 Chevy service truck one time. Oh, he geez. told us to, as three with granny gear low. And he told me, don't shift, keep it down low for low. And it was a sandy field. And I was just barely at the edge of the seat able to reach the pedals at the time. But I told him I could probably shift. He told me not to. So I walked across the field to get the truck and had her screaming across the field, and lo and behold, the engine blew. <laughs> oh, there was no. a time when you couldn't reach the pedals? Oh, yeah. Like I said, 
I greased the pedals before I could see over the dash. So, <laughs> well, nobody knows, but that you guys can't see us. But uh, Josh makes me look like a midget, so he's very tall. So I remember the first tractor I ever drove was an M Farmall, right. and and the ability to drive that tractor has to do with reaching the clutch pedal and being able to hold on to the steering wheel in order to push it down, which again sounds very safe. Yeah. It's amazing how <laughs> things have kind of changed over the years, but running fifty model tractors that. 50s model tractors that you have to just use all of your weight as a small kid to push down the pedal to what we're running now, which the, the equipment's amazing nowadays. And, and it's kind of, everybody tries to, to act like their time was harder than the ones that came after us. And and you'll see kid, young kids driving combines and people are proud of them. I'm like, well, how hard could it be? It's got electric <laughs> buttons and it's got hydrostats and everything. How hard could it possibly be? But everybody's, every generation's problems are different. And I would say, again, we've kind of talked about this earlier, that there's even more and more stress. It's not necessarily as fun of a time for some people. And I think that's something that the families have to think about with children uh, running some of this equipment is to go easy on them. Don't go so fast because they're running very expensive, very big equipment down the roads and everything. And it, it definitely wears on you the more hours you run. Sometimes quitting at nine o'clock and taking it easy isn't the worst thing in the world. And I saw some people do that here recently. We had really bad wind come through and some operators just decided the fire risk was too great. And part of it was probably that they just wanted a break. And, yeah, they've been going hard, and, right? And it was a good ability to kind of stop and take it easy. And I think that's always important. Yeah, I... uh remember uh you talked a little bit about lunch snarfing your lunch so mm -hmm. when i was really little i have this memory it was at a a rented farm that we had dromans is what we called it and uh i remember my grandma and it might have been my great grandma too but they brought actually the card table out with the folding chairs and brought the real plates in the picnic basket and everybody sat down to eat and i remember that just one time i don't know I hope that it's like a memory I remember I didn't create it in my mind, but I do remember that. And I think, you know, we've talked about a little bit about that doesn't happen as much anymore. You said something about people would stop at the elevator at noon and, and eat. Yeah, the lines at the elevator would be so long that you could basically just get out of your truck and talk with friends and eat a little bit uh, just on the side of the road waiting on trucks to dump. And that's just not not necessarily something that happens anymore. Yeah, I think... It's a little bit different when I got older, too, because my mom, she uh, drives a grain cart. And so she she makes the sandwiches and they eat the sandwiches or, you know, that sort of thing and helps them move, but move from one field to the next. So she was busy during that. I think a little bit of change from maybe more active helping by, you know, the wives or, you know, spouses now, maybe that has decreased that a little bit. Yeah, spouses have a very active role in running machinery, and and I would have argued growing up that the human feed wagon is probably the most important piece of equipment to run because there's just that relief. You saw that vehicle show up at the side of the field, and you think, finally, I get to break up the monotony. And she, my mom would always ask when we want to get fed, and I'd kind of try to space it out right in the middle when we thought we were going to be done in noon because she'd try to feed us right around noon or one o'clock. But then you think about when you want supper. Well, if we're going to run till midnight, mm -hmm. we may not want you to come till seven or eight o'clock or maybe later. Or if we thought we were going to finish earlier, maybe a little bit earlier just to break up that monotony. It does get old. I think I remember getting stuck out, you know, there all day long. And as a little kid, oh, man, I got so bored. Mm -hmm. That's something that I've enjoyed as we've 
on our farm and planted more summer crops is that fall harvest. It's just cooler and it doesn't feel as stressful as wheat harvest can be when it's a hundred degrees and the wind tends to be blowing down the plains, as they say, at about 30 or 40 mile an hour. And it's just not a very enjoyable experience to be out in a hot, dusty wheat field the entire time. And some of that, uh, the fall harvest just feels a little less stressful compared to that, but it has its own struggles as well. But it's, I think it's still a really big family affair, at least from where I grew up. There's still a lot of families that do it together. Of course, they have some hired help because some farms are a little bit bigger. Uh, they used to be, but uh, it's still, you know, very important uh, time, at least for my family. And and we always, it was always for my dad. I remember he he enjoys harvest because it's, you know, it's done. You can do nothing more. Uh, we don't have to worry about the weather here for a while and make planning decisions in a couple months, but he was like glad to book into the year, I think. Yeah, that's the culmination of all of your hard work. For me, it's a, a chance to make the banker happy, and get some bills paid, <laughs> which, is, which is getting rid of some of that stress. So it, when it's done, you can look back and think that I'm happy that's over with. And it, and it is all hands on deck. Like you said, it is a family affair. Sometimes uh, individuals that don't help with the farming at all will show up at harvest because you need so, many, so much help and so many people. But it'll always be a very important time. But it is, it's got its good and it's got its bad. And I think we have to be honest about yeah. that for sure. Uh, yep. But, you know, we're glad that you guys have joined us for this episode. We want you to wish you a safe harvest season for those of you that are still finishing up. I think Oklahoma's getting pretty close to 50% done with wheat harvest, but Kansas is just getting started, our friends of the north. So wish them good luck and good weather as we move through the rest of the year. And thanks for joining us. We hope you've enjoyed what you've heard. If you would like to hear more or follow up on the topics discussed, please reach out to your local county extension agent. OSU has a presence in all 77 counties with educators eager to assist you. Also, please consider checking the description for links to our social media pages and further information pertinent to the conversation. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you soon.